Before we get into our teaching time, I just want to spend uh, some time this morning with some just general thoughts. Uh, first of all, I, I want you to know uh, as your pastor, um, I love you and I miss you. It's, um, again, just a surreal and heavy uh, feeling to be here and, and you not be here as well live and in person. Um, I miss uh, coming on Sunday mornings and being in uh, the, the kitchen area where our coffee makers are busy at work preparing uh, terrific coffee for our gathering time uh, when we're in this room uh, before worship. I, I miss seeing uh, our seniors uh, come in. Uh, as they do around 9, 10, 9, 15, they're usually the first here um, to go up to Molly's class to, to learn and to have Bible study there. I, I miss seeing our greeters drag the uh, signs out to the sidewalks and to let you know we don't have parking here, but we've reserved a, a free garage for you, by the way. When we do come back, you can use that free garage. I, I miss uh, ducking my head in to see uh, the babies and how they're doing uh, in the children's area. I miss interrupting Pastor Brian and our youth just to be silly with them and to say hi. I, I miss trying to greet five or six of you at a time uh, on the sidewalk after the service. I just want you to know, uh, as your pastor, I love you uh, and I miss you. I also want to say uh, that I'm very grateful to God uh, for the technology that God has given us so that we can meet online. And I'm extremely grateful uh, for our skeleton crew that we have here, uh, Alan Mars uh, managing our, our video and online for us, and Michael uh, managing our, our uh, sound and audio for us, and then, of course, Brian. Uh, really appreciative. I, I trust you, uh, or trust me. Uh, we are uh, practicing uh, safe uh, distancing. I, I heard, I think it was Bill Hook, uh, on uh, the Sunday School class this morning say, you know, this idea of uh, social distancing is really not the best term. I think it's bio-distancing socially connected. And so I really like that. So we're bio-distanced here this morning, uh, but we are socially connected with you. And we trust the Lord. And in Lysol, we continue to wipe down uh, everything. So just know that. But I'm really glad that we can connect with one another. And this week, we've added the feature uh, for our seniors who don't have online uh, capabilities to call in and be able to listen by phone. We are going to keep worshiping and serving the, the living God. The living God has already defeated disease and death. The living God cannot be sheltered in place. The living God could not be quarantined in a cold, dark tomb. Someone said to me earlier this past week, you know, they're really sad because we're going to lose Easter uh, because of the coronavirus, and we might, well, uh, not be able to gather live at Easter. And I understand the sadness on one hand, but on the other hand, let me say to you, uh, we will not lose Easter because God's people... Christians are people of the resurrection. We don't need a calendar date to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that every day. But I am telling you now, as your pastor and as your friend, whenever we gather back, whether it's the 1st of June, Father's Day, or the 4th of July, it will be an Easter celebration of the resurrection here at 212 South Washington. We will sing Easter hymns. We will hunt for Easter eggs and eat Easter candy. Uh, we are going to celebrate Easter together. It's just a matter of when we're able to do so. So yes, we'll celebrate online, but we will definitely celebrate live. We will also serve during this time. Uh, we are going to be 
and we are being the church on mission. Uh, for those of you who may be old enough, or if it's enough, if it's saturated enough into popular culture, uh, when Elvis Presley used to end a concert, uh, you may be aware the the person would come over the loudspeaker and uh, and say, um, you know, Elvis has now left the building. Well, folks, the church has left the building. The church has left the building. The building may be closed. The facility may be closed, but the church of Jesus Christ is at work in the world. And we're actually back where we started in the first century. You see, the church first met in houses. So you are right now, right where the church first started meeting, in houses, pouring over the Word of God, and talking and sharing and celebrating the gospel. And I believe that God is going to use his church at such a time as this. Some of you, uh, no doubt almost all of you, have seen uh, Dr. Tony Fauci talk about the pandemic curve and that how through uh, biodistancing, staying uh, socially uh, connected, how we need to flatten that curve. Well, I am also burdened and convinced that we in our nation and our communities are also going to experience an emotional and spiritual, yes, a psychological uh, curve of how uh, people are handling this. And as God's people, what we want to do is we want to flatten that curve as well. Uh, while our uh, medical professionals are on the front line of tending to the body and the physical bodies of people and the health of people, God's church is on the front line of tending to the spiritual health, emotional well-being of not just our church, but also people in our community. And so I want to really encourage you to do what you can. Do what you can to stay healthy and do what you can to reach out and show concern for your neighbors. Let me share with you some ways that you can be the church right now. If you are able, and if you're able, uh, buy a Zoom subscription or other web hosting service and hold video block parties with your neighbors. Uh, You would not don't underestimate how much that will help make a difference in the lives of others. And don't be surprised if people that you've never talked with about faith start asking, you know, will you pray for me? And, and how can I learn more about Christ? Uh, Zoom is free with limited access. I think you can be on it for about 40 minutes at a time. For $15 a month, this is not a Zoom commercial, use any online service, but for $15 a month, you can have unlimited access for well over 100 people at a time. Write your neighbors a note, do the old-fashioned way, or put up a, uh, a note on the bulletin board if you live in an apartment building, and tell them that you're a person of prayer, and let them know when our online service is, and pray. Pray for the end of this virus. Pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Pray for those who are struggling with the virus, and if I may ask you, uh, pray also for me and the staff. We are completely reorienting and retooling the ministry of the church to do everything that we can uh, to meet your needs at this time and the needs of our neighbors who are afraid and, quite frankly, at this time, uh, open to hearing about the hope of God. And lastly, let me ask you, be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your patience. Be generous with those you may be uh, in your homes with. And be generous uh, through your tithes and offerings if you're able. Uh, If you're able, give over and above your regular giving to our Benevolence Fund. uh, And you can mail your offerings uh, in and we'll get those or you can give online. And uh, we anticipate 
um, being able to help people uh, through the economic struggle uh, of this pandemic. And if, uh, if you're able to give to our benevolence as well as your normal tithes and offerings, we encourage you to. And if you need help through our benevolence, please reach out. We would love to help if we're able. Uh, lastly, Old Town Community Church family, let me ask you to remember our theme verse for the entire year. Long before this started, we celebrated a theme verse from Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 that says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably, incomparably great power for us who believe. And one of the things we celebrate about this prayer that St. Paul had for the church in Ephesus was simply this, is that God's people have a sacred significance, that God has called us to share his hope in the world, and God will call you and use you to share his hope at this time, that also uh, God's people have this sense of divine delight over them, that one of the most beautiful things about this passage is that we, the church, we as God's people, we are God's divine inheritance. And God delights over you, and God loves you, and God cares for you. And make sure you take that promise with you. And then lastly, uh, Paul talks about the power. And this power that Paul is talking about, it's pervasive power. It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the God who has already defeated disease and death. And God will give that same power to his church to do his work in the world. So just let me offer those few thoughts uh, as we uh, lead into our teaching time this morning. And before we open our text, let's just pray together. God, now we ask you to clear our hearts and our minds. Lord, settle us as only you can through your Holy Spirit. Give us peace so that we can hear your word today and so that, God, we can apply your word in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, have you ever noticed how often we refer to our eyes uh, or the concept of vision. Uh, for example, someone may say to you, uh, I have this really cool video that I just saw, and I want you now to see it. Uh, this past week, I saw this amazingly cute video on Facebook about these penguins walking down the stairs. Aren't they cute? I mean, I want one. Jody won't let me have one, but I, I want one. Now, some of you may say, okay, I've been sheltered in place a little too long. This is going to be a long journey if, if I'm fascinated over penguin videos right now. But anyway, someone may say, hey, I want you to see this video. Or you may go to a concert or a play or a sporting event, and you may say, wow, we had really great seats because we had an amazing view. We are told to look both ways before we cross a street. On one hand, someone may say, what you see is what you get. On the other hand, someone may say, looks can be deceiving. The idea here is that our eyes don't always lead our brains to make the right decision and evaluation. Our vision can be faulty, and it can be incomplete. The theme for our text today is vision, but it's not about our vision. It's about God's vision. And what we're going to learn today is that when God is at work in the world and when God is working to, to gather his people and to call his people for his holy purposes, God has 
absolutely perfect x-ray vision. Uh, let me invite you to turn or launch your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. And in our text, we find a most interesting comparison between human vision and God's vision. Just a little bit of backstory. Samuel was the last judge of Israel, and he was the first prophet after Moses. And God gave Samuel a unique role. He gave Samuel the role of anointing the first king over Israel, Saul, and then anointing Saul's successor, David, which is the subject of our text this morning. Our text opens with Samuel in disappointment and discouragement, and, and he's mourning the fact that God had rejected Saul as king because Saul had rejected the authority of God, and God decided a new king was needed. And so let's read the text together. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammai pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the word of God for the people of God. I want to celebrate three aspects of God's vision this morning. And the first one is this, is that God sees the now and the next. I've read this story for decades, and I love this story. But there is, this time, there's this little line in this whole text that just jumped out at me. You know, that's one of the beauties of reading God's Word. The Bible says that God's Word is living and active. And often we can read it over and over and over, 
but gain something new from it, something very timely from it as the Holy Spirit leads us to read the Bible. Check out this little line at the first part of the text. God said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Oil was used to to anoint for God's purposes. Samuel is defeated and disappointed and mourning over Saul's failure as a king. He is stuck looking at what could have been, and he's stuck looking at yesterday's reality. And God comes to him and says, how long, Samuel, are you going to mourn? How long, Samuel, are you going to sit there? God is ready for Samuel to get up, and God is ready for Samuel to get moving. Now, please know that God cares for us when we are mourning. But what we also need to see in this text is God sees what is around the corner. God sees both the now and the next. And what is next for Samuel is he has God's work to do. He needs to go and to anoint a new king for God's people. God sees the now and the next. That is good news in a pandemic. It would be really easy for us to get stuck and to not be able to look ahead. When it comes to the coronavirus or any challenge in life, some people get stuck by denying what is happening. They scoff at warnings. We've all seen the people on the beach in Florida or last week the people in in the bars for St. Patty's Day. Denying the reality not only puts people at risk, but denying the reality keeps you from being, being able to move forward and into a new and different future. Some may react react in the opposite direction. Instead of denying the panic, uh, someone, instead of denying the reality, they panic over the reality. Has anyone felt a few waves of panic this week? I I know I have had my moments. The problem with panic, though, is it often leads us to paralysis. The, uh, The problem with panic is we get so overwhelmed at some point, we may even shut down. We may be in a, in a physical distancing mode, but God is not calling us to shut down. God is not calling us to shut down our hope. God is not calling us to shut down our faith and trust. God is not calling us to shut down our prayers, our generosity, our encouragement for others. Or it's easy for some of us to embrace the reality of the pandemic, but be like Samuel and just be disappointed boy, I I can relate to this. I mean, I even opened the sermon time by telling you how much I miss seeing you here. And this is surreal, as as I've said. Uh, In our own family, our son has worked very hard to to, uh, get through law school, and he's in his last year, and he's going to graduate in May, and there might not even be a ceremony. So I understand that place of disappointment. But if we stay there, We may not hear God telling us to get up. We may not hear God telling us to embrace a new reality and to see how God is working in this time. I've compared this pandemic to a desert. When you're in the middle of a desert, you cannot necessarily see the end of it. You cannot necessarily see when you're going to get out of it. But just like God saw that David would be the next king of Israel. God sees what is beyond this season. Oh, to be sure, God is tending to us right now 
in the presence, but he also sees what is beyond. And he calls us to be filled with his spirit and to walk with him into a new normal and to hang with him as he walks us through to that which is next. He is working in the now, and he's working in the next. The next thing about God's vision is God sees your potential. This scene is almost comical. Samuel sees Jesse's oldest boy who must have been tall, strong, and handsome. And Samuel says, surely he must be the king. But God says, no, he's not it. Just because he can be on the bachelor show doesn't mean he can lead a nation. That's my paraphrase. It's not exactly in Scripture that way. Jesse's sons come in one by one, seven in all, and yet Samuel didn't anoint any of them. Then he asked, is this all you've got? Maybe not with that tone. Jesse said, well, yeah, I've got a little boy out there tending the sheep. Samuel says, get him here, bring him here. He sees David, and God tells him to rise and to anoint him to be the new king. God could see that David had a heart that would be his. Saul, the previous king, had rejected God's authority, but David would end up, he would be made king later, but he would end up being a king that would accept God's authority. Yes, David made mistakes. He was not perfect, but he went on to be a great warrior and a great king. This reminds us of a powerful truth that we've explored before here at Old Town Community Church. The way our world works is our world chooses those who are qualified. We look at resumes and we look at experience, and then we make hiring decisions based on what we can see with our eyes. Now, to some degree, this is understandable. For example, most of our nation has come to know Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is leading the U.S. efforts on the coronavirus. Old Town Community Church folks also know the name Juan Soto. He is a young Washington national who can hit the ball a mile. Now, as much as I like Juan Soto, he is not qualified to lead the effort in the United States to eradicate the coronavirus. And as much as I trust Dr. Fauci, I am not giving him the bat when the Nats are playing to win the next World Series. That's the way the world works. And to be sure, God could give Soto the ability to learn how to eradicate the coronavirus, and God could give Dr. Fauci the ability to hit the baseball a mile, but God didn't do that at their birth. So on one hand, we understand how the world works, that we see something and we qualify based on what we see, but God simply works differently. God uses our natural gifts, don't get me wrong, But God's first criteria is a willing and a teachable and an available heart. And when it comes to God's purposes, God calls us, those who are willing and those who are available and those who are teachable, and then God equips and empowers us for his purposes. So God sees you. And if you open your heart and you're available for his service, God will then empower and equip you to do that which God wants you to do. Let me ask you a gentle question. Are you available for God to use you right now? Are you willing to submit your gifts and your talents to God for his use? Trust me, 
God will call you and God will use you in creative ways in such a time as this. So God sees the now and God sees the next. God sees your potential. God looks past your inadequacies. And then we need to see that God sees might when we see slight. God sees might and power even when we see slight. God has this incredible way of calling the younger and the smaller and the vulnerable to do incredibly powerful work. It was unheard of in Jewish culture to elevate a youngest brother to be chosen over an older brother, much less seven older brothers. But we see God doing it constantly. Esau, the older twin, served the younger twin, Jacob. Joseph, the younger brother, rose to prominence over his older brothers. Isaac became greater than Ishmael. God chose the weak. God chose Mary, a poor peasant teenage girl, and Joseph, a carpenter, to be the earthly parents of Jesus. And for that matter, when it comes to our salvation, we see God bringing salvation to an infant that would become a suffering servant that would hang on the cross and say, I thirst. God saw the heart of a 12-year-old shepherd, and God saw might when we see slight. Perhaps the most famous example of this is from the life of David when he literally took down a giant. I would love to describe the story for you, but I think you'll get it better by taking a look at this video. I I absolutely love that video, and um, I always get a little bit amused at how the troops in Israel, oh, yay, we knew he'd get it all along. Anyway, David went on to grow up to be a great warrior, poet, and king. He was a man after God's heart. David's impact for God was not about David's power, though. It was about his willingness to acknowledge that it is God who slays the giants of this world, and it is God who does the battle. When David was preparing to face Goliath, he said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. People of God, hear the good news. God sees the now and the next, even in times of a pandemic. God cares for you, and he loves you, and God has a holy hope for you, and he has a mission for you, and work for you to do. Make yourself available to him, and he will empower you for the days ahead, and he will work his power in this. I think we need to confess that we don't know how God will work. No one in that line of battle thought a little shepherd with a slingshot would take down Goliath, but let's trust God to work his power Let's trust God to slay this giant. Let's do our part. Let's heed the advice of health professionals. That seems to be what God is using the most right now. Let's heed the advice of Christians throughout the ages, and let's pray, and let's trust God, and let's lean on God in this time. And let us say with the saints down through the ages, the Lord will rescue, for the battle is the Lord's. Amen.